Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Funny Thing About Yoga. I grabbed the bull by the horns today because I wanted to do an intro, and Bradshaw's sitting here shining his ring, being a little fancy bitch. Little bougie bitch. I have a really expensive (laughs) ring, which you'll probably see in class. It's a green sapphire ring, and it's so beautiful. And when I um, clean it, it shines. And (laughs) something I really learned about yoga is yoga is about materialism. And um, it's about gluttony. And uh, yeah. So welcome, everyone. We're here for our bonus episode. We have some really good questions from some of you. And uh, we're going to hop right into it and answer your yoga burning question. So, gee, why don't you play the first question we have? Okay, I'm setting it up. And while I do this, I just want to remind you that you can submit your questions on our website, kayayogaschool.com slash podcast. And that's C-A-Y-A. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's hear it. Hi, this is Tracy. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Thank you for doing it. Um, My question, I'll start with some background. I began my yoga journey in the early 90s, you know, at the YMCA. And uh, before there was, you know, this spandex nation, we wore Hanes sweatpants and baggy t-shirts. And teachers would often spend you know, 10, 15 minutes just on helping us feel one pose like down dog. Uh, That's where I learned how to breathe and was really guided on what was happening internally in my body. And then I also uh, for a while did practice forest yoga and the internal work of that practice frankly got me through a divorce. Today, My experience with yoga classes is that they're more like exercise classes. There's a lot of focus on the physical aspects of yoga, the strength and the flexibility of the body, uh, which is all wonderful, but I can't think of the last time I was guided in pranayama breathing. And so I'm interested to hear your perspective as yoga teachers on this shift and I'm curious to know what factors you think influence your teaching and if some of it might be based on meeting the expectations of this younger or current student population. Such a good question. Mm I know Tracy. Tracy's my best friend. So Tracy, thank you for submitting your question. And I know Tracy actually from uh, teaching and Tracy started taking my class about six years ago. And even when we first started kind of hanging out, she would always talk about like the old school 
you know, yoga experience. And we're, you know, we're talking 30 years ago, 20 to 30 years ago, and how much it has changed and shifted. Now I've only been practicing yoga for 10 years, right? So I feel like I'm very much part of this uh, modern, you know what I mean? Like past 10 years yoga experience, Mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better word um, or lack of a better term. Uh, but I, you know, one thing I wish I could experience more is that teacher teaching down dog for 30 minutes. I mean, I love when things are broken down. I just really, really love to learn. Um, now this is not to say that these classes aren't happening. They are happening. And Gianna can speak more to this. I think that they're just more difficult to come by and find. Mm-hmm. I think that's because what's been popularized in this like newer generation has been that fast paced, flowy vinyasa. And I think both, you know, uh, the slower paced, uh, strong, I'm thinking she mentioned Anna Faris. I'm thinking like strong, slow, slower, hata vinyasa mm-hmm. that like, you know, the, the, I've not practiced much forest yoga. I actually only know only know of one teacher in Chicago, or maybe two teachers that teach or, and have trained under Anna Forest. But it really is about the breath, about cultivating strength and integrity, and like, but also how that affects the spirit. And um, I think that it's harder to find those teachers because of what has become popularized in this like. Uh, I've, especially in this Instagram era of like the aloe yogi and, you know, the trendy studio with the lights and the music and all of that. And I think to Tracy's question about why do we think that's become popular or like what's happening in the industry, in the community, I think that's a really thing to kind of like pause on and think about. And I think in one sense, we've kind of talked about this on the podcast before that things have been watered down to a point to become like palatable for people. And we've talked about this not being a bad thing, but it is something that should be done cautiously. So I think when you strip the yoga practice of all of the traditions, that is a bad thing. That is actually just, you know, circus movements and appropriation and all of that. So I do think it's a really hard and fine balance that yoga teachers are responsible for finding in keeping what, what's, I don't know, this is going to sound really weird because I feel a a responsibility to teach what the student wants, but also to try to balance it with what feels you know, right. We're good in what, your heart or in your yeah. Like teaching. what feels like my personal, mm-hmm. you know, teachings some, and I have to admit, I'm definitely guilty of teaching things that I think are popular or that totally like, that fit the description that that studio hired me for. So if someone hired me for a 45 minute power class, like I'm delivering that 45 minute power class. But if it were totally up to me and my vision, maybe my class 
would look a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you, we're also, you know, you and I are teaching uh, for a living. And so I think that there is a little bit of me that's like, you know, uh, you sometimes have to give the people what they want and what you don't have to. Um, but I do, (laughs) I'm just Mm -hmm. being honest. Uh, I do a a lot because I have to make a living. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's right now what in a lot of ways is most popular. So I try to give the people what they want, but also have some kind of educational, um, insightful, part of the class as well, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's finding the balance of the the give and take, giving people what they want, but also being authentic to your teaching and what you stand for and, uh, how you are as a, as a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do myself still see a difference in, you know, I didn't start in the nineties. I was a a kid in the nineties, but, um, my first class was in 2004. And so it was before, the Lululemon era. I'm just going to say right that. Right before, think, right before, well, right? Yeah. Lulu, Lululemon came about in Vancouver in 98, but they really weren't, they didn't have like a brick and mortar and like mass distribution until the early two thousands. And so I'm not really sure what year they like really boomed. And I Googled it right before we hopped on here. And, um, what I found from a quick Google search is just that 2011 was like their big, year, their most Mm. profitable year. That's when they were kind of everywhere and they did like over a billion in sales. And so, I mean, we're, we're kind of just mentioning this big brand because I do think it's influenced the culture. Don't you? Huge, 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 huge to to deny that. Absolutely. Because then, you know, it also create, and this, and I'm just going to be very transparent. I've worked with Lululemon. I've been an ambassador for Lululemon. I've um, done a lot of collaborations with them. Uh, and also they were the first ones to really, not the first ones, but one of the first brands to benefit off of the popularity of yoga. Mm-hmm. So like it, like that, that they consumerism, you know, they took yeah. something and then made it, made, made it profitable. And I think mm-hmm. that like, then that, you know, then came aloe and now, um, what's the brand that we sometimes buy? <laughs> Viore, Viore, like all yeah. these other, all, and then, then like the, 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 then on top of that, it's like the props, the different kind of yoga mats. Like now there's a thousand mm-hmm. different kinds of yoga mats and thousand different kinds of blocks because it's, it's a way a, to make money. Yeah. It's like a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, industry. And um, so I th- think that, that, that's, that that's the biggest change. That's the biggest yeah. change is like when Tracy was, you know, practicing 25 years ago, it wasn't commercialized like it is now. And I think that Mm -hmm. that is the biggest change. Mm -hmm. And I remember I told the story on the first episode, like I had to take the bus like 40 minutes away from where I live to get to a yoga studio in Pittsburgh. Like there wasn't a Mm -hmm. yoga studio on On every every corner. corner. And there was also one yoga class at the college, but it was like in the gym on a Saturday mm. morning taught by well, like whoever taught it, like the local YMCA. Like, it well, was, that's literally, yeah. literally, I talk so much to, um, to Tracy about this. And she's like, we didn't even have mats. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we I didn't use those black, like those thick black mat, like mats, like we're talking like fitness mats. Like, like, yeah. Um, And she's like, or blankets. Like, she's like, we mm-hmm. didn't have anything. And I think that because of, uh, 
what has transpired in terms of consumerism, you mm-hmm. also within that there becomes a hierarchy mm-hmm. uh, of you know materialism, what you have, what you can afford, what studio you can afford to, what pants you can wear. Yeah. Um, it's fucked up. It's not right, but it is mm-hmm. a fact. I agree. And just like, cause I'm going down memory lane a little bit. And I recently listened to an episode of yoga land where Jason and Andrea talked about the differences in the yoga, yoga world from when they first started to like mm-hmm. now, and they kind of like pros and con con listed it, mm-hmm. <laughs> making mm-hmm. that a verb. Um, but one thing Andrea brought up, which is so funny because I remember when going to yoga, like I didn't know what to wear. I was like, what do, what do I wear? And I would, I, in the high school I went to hardtail was a very popular brand. We would wear like the drawstring, like baggy leg pants. I remember I wore those hardtails and Andrea Mm -hmm. brought up the ones that fold. I still have my pair of like tights that fold. They're like bell bottom ish. I love those pants, but I remember distinctly in my first couple of years of practicing now think 2004, you're wearing these like flared pants and you're like stepping on them. You're like stepping on the end of the flares mm-hmm. in all of your standing <laughs> poses. And I would just like roll up the ankles <laughs> and like twist it around to make a knot on my calf. Like, I don't know if anyone listening to this has done that too, but um, yeah, they weren't the most practical. So I do see mm-hmm. a positive in like some of the newer gear that we have. I remember always slipping on those foam mats. Cause I didn't have like a good mat until I think like 20, I don't know, 13 or 2014 when I got my first Lulu mat, like my hands were always sweaty and slippy. So that's kind of one of the, the pros of it, but it's definitely a con of it that like I miss the pranayama. I don't, I also don't think that it's like, I know that when I teach pranayama, I I do teach pranayama. I was trained in it in my 200 hour and my teacher learned through Kripalu. And so I, I have, you know, knowledge from that when you were just there or what? No, no. I was just, isn't, isn't Kripalu in mass? Yeah. I was literally just looking it up because I, it's, is it on the Cape? No, I think it's like Western Mass, like near the border of New okay. York, not okay. too far, like maybe four. I really four want hours. to go there for like three days. Oh, you should. We should um, go. But I'll go with you. Yeah. So I like I trained under um, a teacher from Kripalu who had been my original twin driver who had been teaching for years and years before this training. And so I did learn how to teach, how to practice and to teach pranayama. And even to this day, when I pass down those teachings an hour, 200 hours, I see people just checking out. Like there's half of the people in YTT are following along half are like, what am I doing? And in my own, like maybe insecure mind, I'm like, are they hating this? Is this just not what's resonating? I'm like, I don't care. In in one sense, I don't care. Like this is part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching it, but I can tell the, um, I can tell how disengaged the student base is with this particular portion yeah. of the training. And it makes me even more insecure because I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm going to teach it anyway, but they are mentally checked in out. Maui. I don't know. There's a, you know, that brings up another thought, which is when 
Tracy was practicing, there was no cell phones, there wasn't social media, there mm-hmm. wasn't, and that that has had a huge effect on not just yoga, but the exercise, it, you know, the fitness, well, let's say wellness umbrella, it's been a mm-hmm. drastic change. And I think that a lot of people are constantly consuming so much, inf- you know, information, <laughs> quote unquote mm-hmm. information on their phones throughout the day. And, uh, I wonder if they go to yoga class and like, I don't want to be thinking anymore. I want to turn off my brain and not think about stuff because I'm constantly being bombarded with information. Mm -hmm. I agree. And again, I don't know, maybe I'm just like, maybe there's some kind of correlation there where it's like, I just want to go and move and breathe and not think about down dog for a half an hour. Who knows? Yeah. But I think that's also part of the yeah, issue. Th- th- yeah. Part of the issue is that like, we don't have an antidote for mm-hmm. the fact that our attention spans have become, you know, smaller and smaller and small. Yeah. Like think yeah. about the doom scrolling you do on your reels or TikTok. Like, what do mm. we watch things for like a half a second? If it doesn't yeah, engage crazy. our interest, it's like next, next, next. Mm-hmm. Like if someone is not interested in my pranayama for, you know, the first couple seconds, they are, like I said, mentally in Maui and it is, um, really hard to uphold that in just the public group class. Cause I want to retain my numbers. I want to retain my job. I want to, so there's so many different factors from like the yoga teacher business mind. Um, but I do think what would be really, uh, you know, what's missing and what would kind of solve or like fill this, this void that, that, you know, I think we all are in agreement that we're missing, especially in Chicago, we're Chicago local, I think we need to have more classes on a schedule that are like, this is a pranayama led class, or this is a slow, strong Hatha class. And like, just kind of let students know what it is. And those who are curious, will try it. Those who want it will have it. And it could bring it back into, you know, the mainstream or make it more accessible. Cause I, I do know that when I am missing this part of my own practice. Like I have to know who those teachers are that do it. And I have to seek them out and maybe travel far and all of that. Yeah. Um, I think um, it reminds me, I had a friend who was a DJ and Mm -hmm. he didn't want to DJ weddings because he didn't like the music they wanted to play at weddings. He wanted to play his music. And I kind of feel like it's kind of like that with, you know, like, well, you have to sometimes just take the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause you love DJing. I may not be the music you want, but it is your passion. So mm-hmm. like give the people a little bit of what they want and just like enjoy DJing, even if it's not yeah. like your deal. And I feel like that, it, that kind of relates to, to what we're talking about, which is like, yes, like like there's sometimes we don't want to do, but, but there's also, again, that balance of being authentic. It's a give and take. It's a kind of a, a balancing Mm -hmm. act. Well, I have two things to say to that. One is I'm immediately reminded of what Calvin said on our podcast. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, growing out with Calvin Corzine, listen to it, but he basically said, you know, when you're teaching, he thinks of it as giving the students the candy, like as long as mm-hmm. you give them the candy, you could also give them the broccoli or whatever mm-hmm. else. So that was a good little analogy. And I do agree with that. And I do think 
to my second point is like, I wonder how much is just internalized um, discomfort in my own personal, you know, mind of like delivering that thing. Cause I, you know, I moved to Chicago after a few years of teaching. And I remember when I first moved there thinking like, I need to get at the top studios or I need to get paid more. I yeah. need to do like, and how much of my own discomfort comes from like the competition of what else was around of like, who's doing what. And I'm not one to just, um, you know, I'm not going to emulate, you know, the most popular teacher in town or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying, but I just kind of had to gauge where people are at and see like what is going on in this specific area. And I had to adapt a little bit because when I did teach in South Florida, that's where I was before Chicago, I did teach much, much differently. Mm -hmm. I did teach a slower paced class. I almost always, uh, ended with some form of pranayama even if it was just Nadi Shodna. Um, yeah. And I think one other thing I want to say, because I do think there's some pros from, from the earlier days before the mass popularization of yoga that I really miss. And I think we've kind of touched upon them before, but I miss the days where like, you didn't bring your personal belongings into the yoga oh, yeah, space. For sure. Like it still annoys me to this day. If I see someone with their bag, next to their mat in the middle of the room, I'll be like, Hey, can you put that at the back wall or something? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want mess or clutter and you can make fun of me say this is OCD, but that's actually, or like, no, no, no. you, you kind of tease me about that, but it is about when you have a clean organized space, you're able to get a clean Gianna, I literally mind. say that all the time about my place. I'm always cleaning. That's all I'm doing is always cleaning. So, so don't you tell me to make not, fun of you. Oh, well, you do make fun of me, but you, I don't, I don't know if you remember those days, but you couldn't bring your bag and you definitely, there no, were no, no, no cell phones, no phones, but there were no beepers, I mean, no phones. I, you, if, if you were, if you were late, the door was shut. You learned to be on time. Yes. There's those those a, are things I miss. There's a student at a place and they were on their, they were on their phone, which again, this happens all the time. That would have never happened 25 years ago. It happens at least like people are like, Oh my God, you're obsessed with the phones. I'm like, I'm obsessed because it happens all of the time. Mm-hmm. And then another teacher said that this student who did it, my class was on their phone and they, they've been going to the studio for a long time. And this teacher was like, I couldn't believe it. Like you're right. This happens. I'm like, this happens all of the time. Yeah. All of the time. People yeah. are on, people are literally like another girl last week texting in pigeon because that's, I mean, I get it. It's the most comfortable pose to text in, but still, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I don't, where I don't want to get on a tangent here. I'm just saying that I think that that is a major difference, G, and I couldn't agree more. And I, I am the first one to say that I'm addicted to my phone. That's why I don't have an iWatch because I would be on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Is I go, when I go to a yoga class, guess what I want to do? Put that mm-hmm. shit away. Because I yeah. know I have a, an addiction <laughs> to the mm-hmm. phone. So like I put it, I do not bring it into the studio. Um, as soon as I walk into that space, it's a space for me to disconnect from all of that. And I think that that was definitely um, recognized and respected way more uh, 20 to 30 years ago in the yoga room. Honestly, I think that there, we could do an entire episode on this question. And I think mm-hmm. that we would, I think it'd maybe be fun to have Tracy on and talk about her early experience of taking classes. And, and I would love to have, like. and have in conversation with teachers who've been teaching for 30 Absolutely. plus years. Like Absolutely. that would so be I, great. 
Yeah, I think that this is, there's so much content here. We could honestly talk for an entire hour, but this will be to be continued. But we hope, Tracy, that this and listeners just gave you some insight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Such a good question. I'm going to be thinking about it all day. Yeah. And I just want to add that if you are a teacher who's been teaching since, you know, early mid nineties, and you are listening to this, send us an email, school at gmail.com, because we would love to talk with you about it. We are always trying to meet people through the podcast as well. And I think this is just, you know, the beginning as Brad just said. So we'll Absolutely. keep, we'll keep the conversation going. Okay. Awesome. What's our second question about. Okay. I am going to read the second question. It was one that was written into us. And you know what? This person refers to you and your personal likes and dislikes. So are you ready? (laughs) Shocking. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm really loving the podcast and I have a topic suggestion or a question. I know Bradshaw is not a big fan of hot yoga. I am not sure what your feelings are and I would love it if you guys can talk about hot yoga specifically. I personally love hot yoga and feel that there is a benefit to the heat. I know my heart rate slash calories burned are higher in a hot class, but mostly I just like how it makes me feel. I think it would be interesting to listen to a conversation about this. And I would love to know if there are any actual studies to speak to it. I know I've tried to find information on it in the past and I've not been successful. How do you guys feel about hot yoga? And basically we should address Mm -hmm. the whole thing about heart rate, calories, heat, muscles, and I think detoxing. She didn't say that, but but I, I think that's a huge thing. Number one, I know who this person is and they're, we're a big fan of theirs. So you know who we are. We're, we're thinking about you. You're the best. Um, okay. So I have a, I have many thoughts, but uh, I think you I, should start, start with, I'm going to start with one thing. Can you start with, if you hate hot yoga, <laughs> I like, I don't like, as I've, I don't mind a little heat. I just don't feel like I need to die. Like I do not need to be in 113 <laughs> green heat. I just don't understand it. Like yeah. people are like, Oh, I'm detoxifying. There's that is one thing where it's like, there's no proof that you are detoxifying your body. It's just like, oh, when I'm twisting, I'm detoxifying my gut. There's no proof of that. Yeah. Um, And so that's where I have a big problem because I just think there's a lot of information out there. And again, I'm not a doctor. There's a lot I don't know about this. And I'm Mm going to be very frank and upfront with that. But when someone drinks a bottle of wine and they're like, I'm going to sweat it out. I'm like, that's not how it works. Except for some reason, when you do take a hot yoga class, it feels good. No, but, but have you ever had that student in class who like, you can tell they were hungover and you are like, you're like, you actually smell like the bar floor. But here's the thing, G, I think they feel better because they started moving Yeah, and they started getting their blood pumping and it feels good to sweat and then go outside and be really cool. Like, like at some yoga suits, it's so hot in the room and you go out and you're like, like you do feel like you you did something. And I think Mm -hmm. that that does a lot for your psyche, which is like your body feels good because your heart is pumping, you're moving and it feels um, refreshing and kind of like a clear slate to sweat. It feels good Mm -hmm. to sweat. Um, And I, I like that too. There are times like today I was on the treadmill and it was just like, 
I was not there for a long time. I was there for 35 minutes, but I'm like, I just want to sweat. Like, I just want my heart to move like mm-hmm. beat and I want a heat. I want some heat. And that just makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I'm detoxifying myself more compared to like, you know, swimming in a pool or something. I, yeah, I agree with you. And again, like Bracha said, like, we're not scientists Why is that <laughs> okay. funny? or biologists. No, people think I'm a, people think I'm a scientist, a biologist, <laughs> an actor. And I'm like, how do you think I like, Wear all those <laughs> I'm hats. not Bill Nye, the science guy over here. <laughs> okay. Well, at least from my understanding <laughs> of sweat, it is mainly just water and like and a little bit of salt and then like other organic compounds. And so there's mixed messaging about this. Cause I too have heard that you're releasing toxins, but then when I look it up and read about it, it's like, no, you're not actually releasing toxins. And so we can call this, uh, I don't know, just a, <laughs> a debate or just unclear, but I'm under the same impression as you Bradshaw. And I think that, you know, when something just, I'm going to simplify it even further. When you do something that just makes you feel good and you keep doing that thing. Yeah. And you know, it makes you feel good. Then do that thing. And then also, um, I, well, we talked about eye watches before, but I'm not one to wear any sort of Mm-mm. calorie counting device. Like I, I've done it once in my life and I was really, um, I hated it. I hated the experience. First of all, I hate wearing things on my wrist. That's just a side note. But second of all, I think around like maybe 2014, when the, like one of the first like Fitbits came out, Mm -hmm. I decided to get a Fitbit and I wore it to yoga class once just a regular vinyasa class that was like vigorous. I was like moving, sweating, breathing. I felt like my muscles were charged and like, like I felt really good in my body and I felt powerful and strong and clear mind and all of the great benefits of just like being present and at peace. And then I went and looked at my freaking Fitbit and it was like 190 calories. And then I threw that thing out and I never worked. <laughs> no, people are like obsessed with it. It's well, also whatever. I think that it, it can also lead to a lot of body issues. Like I thinking they have to burn a certain calories and whatever. That's a, that's a whole other topic, so, but yeah. But I want to say the reason why I never wore it again is because I didn't want to be disappointed with all the stuff that like just mm-hmm. made me feel so good. Like I didn't want that number of the calories burned to detract from like something I do for my mental health. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm like this, this just has to be a separate thing. Like well, no- I'm going to wear that watch when I'm uh, running on a treadmill or lifting weights or so-and-so whatever. What were you yeah. going to say? No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that like what you said is so relevant, which is for this person, I wouldn't cons- be concerned about the heat burning more calories or getting your heart rate up. It's like, do you feel better leaving a hot class? Do you feel and stronger? If you, and if you yeah. feel stronger, do you feel you have more mental clarity? And if it, the case is yes, then keep doing that thing. I really could care less personally, uh, like UG, about the calorie and the heart rate. Another thing to consider is maybe your heart rate is up because it's 113 degrees. Yeah. And your body's like, yo, stress. It stressed the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um. so <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yo, why are you staying here? 
Then on the flip <laughs> side of that, I think that there, that there are some people, and I, I get this, you know, a, a lot of yoga is about like sitting in discomfort. Like, can you breathe through discomfort? And I think for a lot of people, they kind of like hot yoga gives them that. They're like, mm-hmm. it's very hot. It's very uncomfortable. I'm going to stay. So it's more of a mental game. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are people that are attracted to classes that are like that. Yeah. Um, I want to address one other thing. I think depending on your body type, hot yoga can be more or less beneficial for you in terms of like stretching. And um, for me, for example, I am, I have like some natural flexibility. I'm a quite bendy person. Sometimes in the heat, I can go beyond the feedback I'm getting from my body because I am not paying attention to like every layer. And we talked about this in our last episode, um, the, can you teach it if you can't do it episode talking Mm -hmm. about like, how do you know, like what your edges are going too far. And so people who have more flexibility than strength, you might have increased even more range of motion, even more flexibility when you're in a hot room because your muscles are relaxed and becoming more pliable with the heat. They're becoming more elastic. And that might not be good for me. I'll leave a hot room and I'll be like, mm-hmm. Ooh, oh my God, I actually like have a little pain in my pain. hamstring. Like yeah, I, I went a little time. bit too far and I didn't realize because you're not actually feeling the feeling in your natural body. Yeah. If that makes sense. Whereas my- a tight muscular person who's got like really, really big bulging muscles. Maybe they lift a lot of weights, but they could hardly lift their arms overhead. Maybe for them, they need a little bit more of that heat to help make their muscles more pliable because they're shorter and stronger than, you know, my muscles are Yeah, or someone with a similar body. That's yeah. why you tend to see a lot of cis men in hot yoga classes. There seems to be a lot more than in vinyasa classes. And like weightlifting bros? Yeah, or just like guys that are tight. Yeah. You know, um, my ex was really, not like, I mean, he was tight. He was tight, much tighter than me. Um, and he loved the like 26 postures, like the twice mm-hmm. through hot 26. And I would do it and it would, I would be in so much pain after the class. But mm-hmm. for his body, he was like, I feel amazing. Yeah. And I did not feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. So I think if this is, if you're curious about this, just kind of take note of like the composition of your muscles. Like are your muscles kind of, you know, long and pliable, (laughs) long and and weak, like mine (laughs) might not feel good. Are they, are they balanced like Bradshaw's and I'm balanced emotionally, physically, (laughs) mentally. But that's our, that's our, that's a really good question. And I think that I do think that we answered it well, but again, the biology uh, behind it is not something that we are experts in. We're not experts in, but we have been told and do believe that sweat does not release toxins. So at the end of the day, I, I guess the answer to your question is if it feels good, keep doing it. End of story. I agree. Um, I think we really rocked these questions today. I think we did too. Um, if 
you would like to submit a question, again, go to our website. We love uh, interacting with you. We love answering your questions. And we're so happy that you can be a part of the podcast. And Gianna, I think, would like to say something. I she waves her hand at me. <laughs> I was like, I, I, for a second, I was like, is there someone behind me? I was like, who are you waving to? I was like, no, I would I, like are you okay? Yeah. No, you raised your hand last episode. So I was like, oh, I'm going to just start raising my hand now. Um, I just want to remind you all that we do have rooms open or not rooms. We have beds open for our Nicaragua retreat in February of 2024. So if you would like to practice and travel with us, this is one of our favorite retreats. We have so much fun practicing outdoors, surfing, massages, sailing, and, you know, just really experiencing the culture down there. So check it out, kayayogaschool.com slash Nicaragua, or just DM us. We You'll respond. be happier there in the winter. I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no, we a have a, a ton of fun, but we've got um, just a few of our beds left in the shared room. So let Perfect. us know. And thanks for listening as always rate review, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Bye everyone.